Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. So how many remember what we're talking about this whole stinking month long? Blank enough. What does that mean? You're good enough. All right, what else? Come on, somebody fill in that blank. I'm loved enough. Smart enough. Accepted enough. What else? Insane enough. What else? Oh, the rest of you are like, uh, I don't know. Right, we're going to figure this out. What? No, you're not. That's a lie from the devil. All right. Yeah. Good enough. That's right. So Dylan talked a couple weeks ago. You guys remember this? You are loved enough. And God loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because that's who he is. And that's what he's like. He just loves you like crazy, and you can't mess that up. And we covered that last week a whole bunch. And then last week I talked a whole bunch about this real versus feel thing. How many remember this? Real versus feel. How many of you experienced that this week? Did anybody experience a moment when you felt like something, but you knew it wasn't actually real? Like, anybody? Come on. Right? I hope that sticks in your brain. Every time you have one of those feel like, Oh, I just feel like I'm a loser moments, right? Anybody have feelings like that? I hope not. Not you, right? No, no, not at all. But how many of you have feelings like, I can't do this. I feel like it's impossible. I feel like I'm not going to make it to the end of the school year. I feel like, and come on, that's not real. Because the real is you can and you will. You're going to make it. You're incredible because God is with you. God is for you. He's all about you. And that's what I want to talk about tonight is this reality that you got this. Okay? You are equipped enough for what God has put in your hands. Okay? Simple enough. Can you turn to somebody and say, you are equipped enough for everything That God sets before you. Cool. Right back up here. The Bible tells us, look at at me. This is crazy. God will not allow anything to come to you that you cannot handle with him. Do you get this? You are not meant to go life alone. You're not meant to accomplish this and battle through this insanity that they call the teenage years. You are not designed to do it on your own strength, by yourself, without help. You're not. That's not what you were designed for because God created you, wired you like himself, and God himself from eternity has existed in three persons. And this is one of these things we don't have a brain category that explains, but God existed from the beginning as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all in one, all in relationship, in perfect unity. And we see that drawn out and depicted throughout all of history. And there's this great reality that we still walk in, that we are made in God's image, and we are like Him, designed and in balance for relationship and for like connection with one another. So the minute you get isolated from relationship, from people, from, from the help and encouragement of the people around you, you step out of what you're designed for. You kind of move into this like, and how many of you know that feeling sucks? 
you get isolated. You're like, I'm alone, and I don't feel like anyone likes me. Anybody get that feeling? Everybody, oh, yeah, this week, yeah, like no one loves me. I feel like everyone hates me. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like. But guess what? The real like is that's a lie, right? You are able to take on anything that gets put into your life. Now, listen, God puts crazy stuff in, in front of us in our paths not to throw us off track, not to make us fail, but to call us up to be better. Right? It's like if you run track, anybody run track this year? Yeah, a few of you. Any hurdlers in the room? Right? There's a point to having hurdles on the track. Why? To make you raise up in your athletic ability because running straight down the track is frankly easier. You put hurdles in the way, it demands that your coordination rises, your jump ability, your speed, all of this. All these parts and pieces have to fit in, and it increases your ability because you face things that are difficult. Right? It's like a dad with a little baby. Maisley is pretty good at walking now, right? Yeah, Maisley, she's like getting around pretty good. She falls once in a while. She like trips over my giant feet, like boom. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I can't help it. They're big. But there's times like as a dad that I like press her on to doing things that she's never done before because I want her to grow. And if I just said, no, Maisley, lay down. No, don't get up. Lay down. Just lay down. For her entire life, just just lay there. Don't do anything risky. Don't want you to fall. Don't want you to get hurt. Don't want anything bad to happen. Neither will she ever get better at anything. Do you get this? So God sets us up in the most cool, incredible, father-like way to face things that are bound to make us stretch. But... He doesn't leave us alone in any of those circumstances, and he promises that he'll never hand you more than you are capable to walk through if you stay connected with him. Like Nathaniel's word here at, for, um, during, the, uh, during the offering time, okay, is this reality that if living a life of worship puts you in a position to be carried by God, protected by God. It, like, sets you in, like, hanging out with Aslan the lion. It's like... You can go on your own like Edmund and go get, like, sideswiped by the Snow Queen, right? It's just that. I don't know why that popped into my head. Or you can hang close to Aslan and be like, yo, bring it. Cash me outside, right? Okay. (laughs) I said it. Dude, did a little research this week. That girl is getting a minimum of $30,000 everywhere she appears. She goes and, like, public speaks at places, and they pay her. She demands, if anyone wants her to come on a talk show or to some, she's going to some MTV award thing or something. I, I, I cannot imagine why they are like, we should get her here. Like, teach everybody to be stupid punks. Anyway, she demands, listen, she's not a stupid punk. She's just acting like one. There's a difference, okay? All right? But they're paying her $30,000 at least for every time she shows up. I'm just like, what? I know. She's famous for saying, cash me outside. Bad English. Bad, like, doesn't even work. It's like, cash. Anyway, how about that, right? What in the world, okay? Back to the point. Sorry, I'm ADD. Uh, Divine distraction. God took us there. Okay, all right. 
So here's what happened. It's like standing with the lion Aslan and knowing nothing can touch you. Staying in a place of worship, and that's not, look, we do worship, quote, here with the music and the whole thing, and some people are like, this is like my, my sweet spot of my whole entire week and my best part of my life, and some people are like, I don't love music thing, it's just not like my, that's great. Worship God with every part of your life. Worship is not a time standing singing music. That's an expression of worship, but it's not the expression of worship. So paint and draw and write and play sports and do what you do unto God and make it all worship and keep yourself in alignment with the God who will never leave you alone and help you through everything you come against. Right? It's really simple. A life of worship is not like, oh my gosh, that sounds awful. It's doing everything going like, God, let's do it together. And guess what? When you do everything with God together, you're never alone. So the real is you're together even when the feel is I'm alone. That's up to you, though. But it's accessible, and God is never so far off that you can't say, God, come close. Here I am. Let's do this together. Okay? And we all get days where we're like, I'm doing it alone. And then we're like, oh, my gosh. You know, like... We have that, and it's just like that. He's not like, oh, well, take some time to get back from that one. He's like, no, come on, let's do it. Okay, he's like really good at forgiving because he forgave all your stuff before you were even born because he did it all at the cross, and it was all taken care of. You're not doing anything to earn some forgiveness now because that was already done, and he said, it's finished. He didn't hang on the cross and go, it started. See what you can do to earn it. But we try every day. It's done. So I got two guys in the Bible I want to talk about quick tonight. You've heard of both of them, and they're both really awesome. The first one, and this was cool, Dave Leach talked about this in chapel yesterday morning. For our, We have a staff chapel every Tuesday morning. The Life Center staff, we get together, we have devotion together, and we take communion, and we just like just start the week in a really, really good way. It's like the best to just spend time. It's like God is amazing and we just get encouraged together and then we pray together and we start the week and then we come back together again Wednesday and we pray for all of you well Tuesday morning before that we pray for you specifically as youth with a bunch of the youth staff and people and then on Wednesday the whole staff takes a break at like lunchtime and we spend an hour in the furnace praying for the whole church and it's like we just cover you all the time so if you ever are having a really bad day be like no one cares about me be like wait they're praying for me because we are okay just another sidebar okay but Dave Leach brought this up. You guys heard of a guy named Moses? Yeah, remember the whole story? He was, he was a shepherd out in the field. This was after he left Egypt because he was like, you know, the basket to the palace. Then he got, oh, sorry, then he killed a, an Egyptian, and then they like ran for his life, and then he ended up marrying some girl out in the desert, and her dad was really cool. And so her dad let Moses hang and stay with their community of people, and Moses is out tending the sheep one day, which is like the lowest job in all of society. So Moses went from Israelite to basket down the river orphan to living in the palace to criminal fugitive running from the law, now a shepherd, and he's up in the mountain one day, and he looks over and he goes, that's interesting. What did he see? A, A bush was on fire. Burning is not even the right word. It was a bush on fire because the word burning has some kind of a, it didn't burn up. Like this bush just was like burning, but the leaves, I guess, were still green. Not getting black. Yeah, flaming bush. There we go. Done. Perfect. Okay. 
So he sees it, and he's like, that's interesting. I'm going to go over and find out what that is. And as soon as he walks up, it says that God noticed that Moses took, paid attention to it, and he spoke to him out of the bush. So as if a bush that's on fire that's not burning up isn't weird enough for you, you walk up to it, and it starts talking. And it's like, hey, don't come any closer, Moses. Take off your sandals. This is holy ground. He's like, what in the world? Like, really, this is not like, it wasn't like, oh, holy Lord, I'm glad I came. Like, he's like, what is happening? Like, okay, I'll take off my shoes. He's like freaking out at this point because now my shoe's half off, whatever. I apologize to the front row. (laughs) Anyway, um, so Moses gets in this place. He takes off his shoes, and he's like, okay, God, what's going on? And God says, I have seen my people in Egypt, and they're under slavery. And Moses is like, yeah, I know. I've seen them too. And God says, you're the guy. I'm sending you to get them all out. And Moses is like, but God, you forget something. I'm a felon. I ran from there because I killed somebody. Not probably very good for me to walk back into town and be like, hey, guys, I'm back. You know, like, well, he killed one of the Egyptians that was mistreating an Israelite. He, like, ran out when he was, like, living in the palace. That's why he left Egypt. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Because he grew up in the palace, and one day he saw, because he knew he was an Israelite. Okay, if you haven't seen Prince of Egypt, you should go see it. It's awesome. Rent it. You can't go see it anymore because it's super old. Anyway, right? But he kills an Egyptian. Anyway, so that all happens. Okay, listen. God goes and tells him, he's like, you're going to do this. And what does Moses say? Okay, God, you spoke, and I'm going to go. No, he makes a whole bunch of stupid, lame excuses. Well, God, I don't know. Maybe I should read what they are because it's even better. Okay, here we go. Oh, man, I missed the wrong page. Exodus 4 is where it's at. I'm almost there. Promise. Oh, wow, my highlighter does not show up under this light at all. So I'm going to do my best. It says right here, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out? And God said, I will be with you. Push the cord into the back of the light board. It comes loose, and that's when it makes it flash and go crazy. It's weird. Anyway, oh, you gave me that light on purpose? Oh, okay, thanks. I thought it was freaking out again. It does that. Okay, so God's answer immediately, Moses is like, why, are you kidding me? And God goes, I will be, oh, wow, that's interesting. Got it? Right, and it's a really cool thing that we'll touch on later. It says, signs for Moses. Moses answered again, what if they do not believe me? Or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. So say, Moses is going like, look, they're not going to believe me. Like, I'm going to go tell them that a burning bush spoke to me. And I'm going to have, like, all these millions of Israelites be like, yeah. And then Pharaoh's going to be like, you know, you're right. I should let them go. That burning bush is probably right. Like, <laughs> who would believe that? And Moses is like, you're sending me into a death trap right now, God. And he's like, what if they don't believe me and all this? And um, God says, Lord, uh, let's see, what do you, it says, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? What did he say? He has a staff. He's a shepherd, right? Yeah, we'll get there, okay? Right? God just simply says to him, what is that that you have in your hand? And Moses says, oh, stick. Right? He's still in, like, low mode. He's still like, God, are you kidding me? This is the worst idea you've ever, 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 ever had, right? We know the end of the story, so we're like, Moses, why are you arguing with God? Come on. Every one of us would be like, 
you better be right, God. Right? I'm seriously like a stick. You know, like that's all I got. And God says, throw it on the ground to see what happens. This is so cool. It's like magic trick. He throws his staff on the ground going like, yeah, okay, God, show off. And it, it's cool. It's, it turns instantly into a poisonous snake. <laughs> this is cool, right? This is like way before Hollywood, okay? Way before. And it says Moses ran from it. He's like, ah! It's like Kevin. Right? Kevin would scream and run away like a little girl. Lynn has seen him do it. Anyway, um, I sent Kevin a picture of a snake from Australia, and I think he wet the bed. I don't know, but I'm just kidding. Uh, did he? Oh, he's, he's nodding. I just made that up. I'm sorry, man. Love you. Anyway, so Moses is like, ah, runs away. God says, no, go pick it up by the tail. He's like, What? This is like worst idea, worst idea, worst idea, worst idea ever. God is handing him things that make no sense. Everything in his feel is off. Like, nuh-uh, wrong. Can't happen, not going to do it. But finally, whatever argument happened that's not written down, Moses is like, oh, my gosh. I see Kevin. I totally see Kevin, the beard, the whole thing. Reaching for this snake, grabs him by the tail, and it goes right back into a stick. That's when you start going like, all right, (laughs) this is cool. Right? And then God says, okay, how about this? Try this one. Because, you know, it's like one cool, amazing, wicked trick is not enough. Right? Because I'm like, that would be good for me. I'd be like, all right, I'm going. See ya. You know, like, but God's like, hey, try this one. You know, he's starting to play with Moses a little bit. He goes, stick your hand inside your cloak. Like, okay? And Moses is like, okay. And God's like, pull it out. He pulls it out. It's leprosy. He says his hand, whole hand is as white as snow. The skin is like falling off. And it's like, Come on, God, like, freaks out at this moment. Like, put yourself right there. He's like, are you, what? And he goes, put it back in. He's like, okay. And then he pulls it back out. It's perfect. And God's like, yeah, if those two signs don't work, then, you know, go take a bowl of water out of the Nile River, dump it on the ground, it'll turn to blood. That'll do it. You know, like, Moses is like, what? Everything inside of him is like, no. But, and then he goes, even after all this, he goes into a whole other thing. He's like, well, God, here's the problem. Are you kidding me, dude? Like, really? You got a problem with this still? He goes, I just, I'm not good at speaking. He, we believe from what he says here I, that he probably had some kind of a speech impediment. And he's being told to go to the Pharaoh, you know, the dude, and make a speech like, hey, make a really good speech and like, let all the people go. Good? You know, like, and Moses is like, I don't speak in front of people. What? Moses, right? So here's the deal. Moses makes another lame excuse, and God goes, uh, just, you just walk this thing out, and I'll put the words in, the mouth, in your mouth. I'll teach you what to say. We're going to work this whole thing out. Incredibly cool, right? And God's other phrase to him, like three other times in this whole thing, is what do you think? I will be with you. Okay, so Moses is like, this is freaky, but God is like, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Not alone. And by the way, the snake, the leprosy, the blood, that'll be really cool too. Right? Okay, fast forward to the next one. We know how that story turns out pretty much. If you don't, look it up. It's really good. Another guy, Gideon. You heard this story? Dude, this guy's the bomb.com but didn't know it. The bomb.com. That's old now, I know. So am I. All right, here's the deal. Gideon. The whole story starts out. He is in a wine press, which if you guys don't know what that is, it's like this big, it's like, it's a gaga pit, 
literally, it would be very much like a gaga pit, approximately that size. And what would happen is they would harvest all the grapes from all the fields, dump them into a big pit like that. They'd pick out, you know, all the stems and try to get it as clean as possible. And then all the people would kind of wash their feet, kind of wash their feet and literally jump in it. And they would run around. It would be like this big celebration party, probably a lot of fun, you know. And they would smash the grapes into pulp for like hours and hours and hours. And they were always down, you know, in these things, in these wine presses. And, and they would also thresh wheat in a similar type place like this, okay, the threshing floors or whatever. But it was all these places that they would always be down low in the ground. They'd be like buried in the ground, and these people would work on this stuff, okay. It was really cool. But he's down in this wine press doing, or actually, oh, no, I just confused the detail. But it's still the same thing. He's in the wine press threshing wheat, which is not how you're supposed to thresh wheat. Sorry. Got this? Threshing floors were flat up on the ground. Okay? Got my facts mixed for a second. Okay? Threshing floors were up on the flat ground. And what they would do is they'd take the wheat and they'd throw it up in the air and the wind would blow and all the non-wheat stuff would blow away by the wind. So it had to be up on a high place where the wind would blow across it. And that's how they would separate the wheat things from all the chaff, they would call it. Got it? Make sense? So he's down in a wine press doing that, separating the stuff. And the reason he's down in there is he's terrified. He's a super wuss. Okay? Because he and all his people are oppressed by the Midianites, who were these very powerful people, right? And all of a sudden, this guy's down in there hiding, and he's like, you know, go, 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 here we go. And doing his thing, hiding from the Midianites, because every time that they would be out threshing their wheat, the Midianites would come, kill them, take all their wheat, and it was kind of a bummer because then they couldn't eat. Does this make sense? So he's hiding, trying to get, like, food ready for his people, and it's, like, very scary and all this stuff. All of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears to him. This would be a cool moment, right? He didn't know it was an angel of the Lord, though. It was just a person shows up and starts going, Gideon, great warrior. Gideon's like, who? <laughs> like, he's looking around, I'm hiding, hello, right? And so this, this, this person sits there, and they go through this whole conversation. He's like, you're going to go, and you're going to conquer the Midianites. And this is his deal right here. He says, but Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in all of Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Like, he was the loser. The loser. He's the least in his entire family and in those systems. It's like you're firstborn and da 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 you know, all the way down. Gideon was just like, yeah, another kid, just a laborer. He's doing the wheat thing, okay? That's about all that's going on. So he's got this whole, and the Lord answers, I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites. And there's this whole crazy thing that goes on, and he makes all these excuses, and he's like, well, let's see about that. And so he's like, wait here. I want you to prove that you're real you know, that you're really from the Lord, so stay right here. I'm going to go make a sacrifice for you because that was part of their culture, and I'll stay here until I come back. So he runs, makes a sacrifice, comes back, puts it down before, and then this angel of the Lord strikes the rock that he sets this thing on, and the whole thing goes in fire. Like, that's cool. Right? And it all burns it up, and he's like, okay, you're from God, okay? But that, again, it wasn't good enough for Gideon because he didn't know who he was, even though God was like, I will be with you. You'll get it. So he goes, okay, just to be sure, just to be sure, I'm going to do this whole fleece thing. Have you ever seen, heard that part? He takes a fleece, like a sheep skin thing, lays it out overnight, and he says, okay, God, in the morning I want to get up, and I want all the grass around the fleece to be soaking wet with dew, but I want the fleece to be perfectly dry if you really want me to do this. And God's like, all right. Okay. And so he wakes up the next morning, goes out and checks, and he's like, no way, that's crazy, right? I mean, if you walk through the grass on the way to the bus stop in the morning or anything, it's like wet, like really wet. The fleece is totally dry, okay? No tarp or anything like that. And he says, okay, that was cool, God, but let's try this one more time. 
Tomorrow, I want to come out in the morning, and I want the fleece to be soaking wet, and I want all the grass to be dry. It's like, oh, all right, okay. Like, and God's like, sure, go for it. So he gets up the next morning, and what does he find? He, like, wrings out the fleece, and it's like buckets of water coming out of this thing, and all the grass is totally dry, and he's like, all right, let's go. But then God throws some more, like, twists and turns in the whole thing, right? Because Gideon is still going, like, I don't know, I don't know. So Gideon gathers up all the armies of all the people, and anybody know the number, how many that he started with? 30,000 men showed up to go to battle, okay? Sorry, in this culture, it was just men, okay? But 30,000 men show up. I'd be like, okay, cool, we can go to battle now, 30,000 men. And God says to, says to Gideon, says, no, that isn't going to work. And Gideon's like, oh, yeah, we probably should have more. And God says, no, that's too many. And so he says to Gideon, he says, okay, I want you to announce to all the people, anybody who's afraid... It's all of them, pretty much, right? Anyone who's afraid to go to battle, go home. So how many of them left? 20,000 left instantly. So now he's down to 10,000 men, and Gideon's starting to go like, God, we had a, sh- we had a chance, maybe, you know? Like, this is Midian, and they're all terrified, but 20,000 soldiers are like, no, nope, quit. If I get to get out, that's great. So he's got 10,000 left, and God goes, ah, no, 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 that's too many. So he says, send all the men down to the river and tell them to get a drink. And this is how we're going to do this. God is like, the, he has the weirdest, craziest ways of figuring things out. But this was God's deal. He goes, any of the dudes that get down and drink like straight out of the water with their mouth, send them home. And anybody who like kind of crouches down, scoops up the water and drinks out of their hands, will keep those guys. They're ready for battle. So they're not afraid and they, I guess, know how to drink with their hands. That's God's qualification. I know, right? How many are left out of the 10,000 after that? You remember this? 300 men. And God goes, that'll do. And Gideon's like, what? Are you kidding me? And then Gideon's freaking out again, and he's like, God, what are you going to do? How, like, like, he had this real feel moment, right? He's like, this is not right. And he goes, God says, go down to the camp tonight with one of your servant guys, one of your helpers, and I just want you to sneak up and listen to what they're talking about. And as they walk down to the camp, they happen to overhear two of the guys in the bad guy camp, you know, military camp. They sneak down. They're very, like, sly, I guess, or whatever, sneaky. They get right down there, and they hear, overhear two of the guys sitting around the campfire talking. And the one guy goes, I had a dream last night that there was this loaf of bread rolled down the hill and wiped out the whole camp. And the other guy goes, that's Gideon. He's one of the people, he's one of the Israelites. That has to be Gideon. No doubt about it. So this is the enemy guys are like prophesying that they're going to lose. And Gideon overhears this, and it's like, what? I don't even know my name. I'm like the youngest and the littlest of my whole clan, not important, making all these excuses. And he goes back to camp going like, you've got to be kidding me, God. Like, out of excuses is what happens here, right? And we kind of know the story. Some of you know it ends up being that God goes like, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go down to the camp, and you need a bunch of clay pots and torches. Leave the swords back at camp. And he's like, what? Are you, like, this is when you start going like, this is not God. This is like the devil trapping me, like, right? And he's just going like, I, but even after all these things, you go, it's like, we're leaving our weapons behind. And you want us to bring, like, flower pots and candles. Here we go to battle against, well, I don't know what the number of the Midianites was, but probably hundreds of thousands of men. The 30,000 was not going to be enough, but he was like, okay, God, maybe we'll try it. God continues to say, but I'll be with you. I'll be with you. So God says, go down around the camp. Everybody bring your little jar. 
and your torch hidden under the jar, you know, right? Hide it under a bowl. No, right? But in this time it was, okay? This was before, okay? So they go down around the camp. They surround the camp. And then on Gideon's signal, they all break the jars, hold up the torches in the middle of the night. It's like, here we are, right? And they say, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. They just scream over the camp. All the guys in the enemy camp wake up, get confused, because God confuses them all, and they all kill each other. And Gideon's guys stand around going like, And the entire army wiped all of themselves out, and none of Gideon's men had to do a darn thing. He probably killed himself, I guess. I don't know. Or it was like a simultaneous, like in the movie, like, they both got each other. I don't know. But they literally went insane all in a moment, and Gideon's guys just stand around going like, you've got to be kidding me. Hundreds of thousands of soldiers just going, what are we doing? Like, this is nuts. God's promise was, I will be with you, and it doesn't have to make sense. But what's really wild is that God's common theme through all this with Moses, with Gideon, with you, is all he asks is, what do you have right in front of you? God just says, Moses, what you got? You know, and Moses is like, well, I have a good college degree and a great job and this much money in the bank, and he's like, I got a stick. And God's like, that'll do. And then God says, hey, what are you wearing? Uh, my clothes, that'll do, go. All the excuses that Moses had, right? Gideon, right? It's kind of like, hey, Gideon, great and mighty warrior. Like, who, me? Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. What are you going to do? Take some dudes, some clay pots and candles. You guys have some of those around the house, right? Go take out an impossible warrior, an entire army of insane warriors that have kept your entire nation under wraps for all this time and i just like this is like crazy the way god does this stuff because here's the deal there's a massive difference even between moses and gideon you guys don't have what they had you've got better because in that time and in that season before jesus went to the cross and sent his holy spirit to live among us the holy spirit was a in and out presence of god power of god and when god said i will be with you that was like a whoa That happened once in a while for a really great feat, for something that would occur, and the cross shifted and broke that, and for the first time in human history, God was capable, well, not capable for the first time, but decided to impart his Holy Spirit to exist here, in you, with you, all the time, always. So you have all the promises that were specific to Moses and specific to Gideon are specific to all of you on steroids because the Holy Spirit never withdraws ever. So when God says, I will be with you, and I look this one up, this is really good. (sighs) I got to pull it up. Matthew 28. This is the end of Jesus, like big sermon. It says, right, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You've heard that before. It says, and then teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And it says, surely I am with you to the very end of the age. This is not a I will be with you like Moses and Gideon got because God wasn't with them until they went. Everything shifted when Jesus said, surely I am with you even to the end of the age. There isn't an opportunity for us to escape God's with us anymore. 
So God's great call to all of us. I know we go like, well, I want God to show up in a burning bush and do some cool, like, whatever it might be. Those guys got a very specific, very one-time opportunity to change the world and change history, and they got written down for it. God put a blanket out over all of you and said, look, you've got it in you right now. You're equipped, you're ready, you're prepared, and I will not put any challenge in front of you that you cannot handle. So using the phrase like, I can't or I'm not enough, flies in the face of what God promised you and said, no, I'm with you. Here's the possibility that we do have a choice in still in today's world, is we have a choice to not be with him, and that's real. God's put it out. It's not just this like, oh, soft, gooey greatness, hey, Jesus, right? It's like, he's like, I am with you forever are you with me? We still have a yes that God demands from us that says, I'm in. And I hit on it last week, and there is no other way to be in relationship with God than to respond to God. God does, is not just like universalist, like sweep them all up into heaven. He wants to, but he won't force people into relationship with him. And the only way to be in heaven, to be in relationship with God, is to be in relationship. So that requires a response. So the promises of God are there that say, I am with you. I will take you through every single thing that comes at you. The, the response that he demands is, are you with me? Are you willing to go? Or are you going to choose to neglect that presence that's around you, that power that's available to you, and go it on your own? And then you step into this world where you feel like you're alone and there's some some reality to that, re- that part that you've created an alone space for yourself by your choice. But God's not going like, I left you. But there's a real weight to this that's like actually real. It's like an everyday choice that says, I'm, God, I'm going with you. It's a good feeling thing, like, hey, Jesus, we love it, right? But it's also a very sobering, very holy thing to just be like, God, I'm not going to just waste this thing that we have going. You've promised that you're with me. I'm claiming it, and I'm walking with you, and I'm staying connected to you. That's the life of worship. That's going after it. That's stepping into, okay, God, this thing you put in front of me with my family, with my friends, with my school, this challenge that seems impossible, maybe it's a sickness that you have to deal with or you're walking through, God has promised he will never leave you or forsake you ever, 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 and he'll never give you more than you are able to walk through. Doesn't mean it'll be an easy walk. But you can get through it. You can have victory, and you will be stronger on the other side of that. It's part of the crazy journey, and God's got a different call for each of your lives, and it's powerful, and it's real, it's incredible. And I challenge you all to go into this reality. You are equipped, so stop making lame excuses. Moses and Gideon were kind of like, God, I don't know, God, I don't know. How about we just go like, God, okay. Because we all have a lot of excuses, right? Anybody ever made an excuse? It's like, did you take out the trash? Oh, mom, I had homework. Like, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a simple one, right? But how about excuses? Look, how about excuses for spending time with God? Oh, I'm so busy with this or I'm so tired or whatever it might be. This isn't a shame game. I'm not here to make you feel bad for anything, but it is this like, guys, shh. But God's given a call out to you to come into relationship with me, be with me. And the excuses can pile up so stinking fast. Oh, I can't. 
I'm not enough. I don't have enough. I'm not rich enough, beautiful enough. You name it, and we'll find a reason to not do anything that God's called us into. But I challenge you to step into a place that goes, look, nothing is going to sway me from going after what God's heart is for my life, for the people around me. And man, I'm never, oh, you never want to agree with the spirits that are lying to you and saying you can't, you won't. Why are you even trying? What a waste of time. No one loves you. All these crazy things that get into our hearts and make us go like, I don't know why I live and I don't want to. 13 reasons why is a big depiction, guys. No, and it's like, that's no joke. It's kind of a sad reality that it's gone the way it has because I think it was intended for a really good purpose to raise awareness and it's become this fun, fad thing almost that people are going like, oh, yeah, I relate to that. I'm just going to jump on and And it's actually raising some suicide rates and not dealing with what the real problem is. Because there's still a pervading lie that's rushing through your generation that's like, you're not worth it, you're not worth it, you're not worth it. It's how the enemy works. Keeps you in a place of, nope, you're alone, no one loves you, no one likes you, whatever it might be, you're not smart enough, beautiful enough, tall enough, athletic enough, you name it, all the way across the board. It's the enemy's method is to keep you right there, locked down, so you can't do what God's called you into. Moses wouldn't have got very far if he had just continued to believe the lies. And it's okay to question God a little bit and be like, God, come on, show me something. How do I roll through this and be patient with it? But he shows you by his Holy Spirit being present in your life every single day. Sometimes we go, give me some miracle, God, and show me you're real. It's kind of like, he's going like, how about just receive my Holy Spirit? And that kind of Holy Spirit change inside of your life and what it does and shifts the way things work, the way your brain operates, the way your body functions. It's this whole amazing release that happens when you just go like, okay, all excuses, all bets off. I'm not going to argue anymore. God, I just want your Holy Spirit. And it's going to look crazy. It's going to look different for each and every person, but it's going to be power, and it's going to change you. And if you've received the Holy Spirit and nothing's changed in your life, go, God, I need another. Seriously. I need another. If, if things aren't shifting and changing in your daily life, if you're not noticing a difference from a year ago to now, go, God, I need another release of your Holy Spirit over my life right now. And it's coming into that connection and just going like, God, I can't do it. You're not designed to do it alone. You're not designed to muscle through this thing and just survive. It's like, no, God, I need to know you're there. Sometimes we ask for the miracles, but we bypass the source of the miracles and say, God, just get out of my way and show up and fix all my problems. And he kind of goes, how about I just get in your world and in your life and we do this together and we see a solution. Stand up real quick with me. Don't disconnect real quick, okay? Hold on, guys. So I want you to close your eyes real quick. We're just going to, like, be real serious for a minute. And I want you to review in your heart right now some excuses you've made (laughs) in your relationship with God. We've all got them. Okay, whether you're making them right now or you have made them in the past, just kind of go like, God, what have I put out in front of you and said, I'm not blank enough?
And I want you to like grab that thing right out of your brain. Like you can like, we call it a prophetic act. It's kind of like a physical thing that represents what's going on inside of us. And just like rip that thing right out of your brain, that excuse that you're like, I can't or I won't or I, whatever it might be. Or because this happened to me, I don't know if I can trust you, God. I feel like that's some of you in this room tonight are saying that. Like, I don't even know if I can trust God because of what I've seen happen in my life. And I just say to you, that's, that's an excuse. Gideon was like, I'm the least. Nothing good's going on in my life. How could I possibly be anybody special whatsoever? Moses had the same problem. It was that whole, like, how could I be possibly who you want to do this great thing? And God says, now, what do you have right in your hand? What have I already gifted you with? It doesn't have to be great and glorious. It can be the very simplest things are the tools that I need to do great things through your life. But it takes taking the excuses out and just crush them on the floor, okay? So go ahead and do it. Prophetic act. Pull that thing out of your head and just go, I don't want this anymore. Say it. No excuses. Throw it on the ground in front of you and stomp on it. Grind it in like a big spider into the carpet. Come on, do it. Chuck it. Just boom. Grind it in. You just go, that, I don't want that in my brain. That's gross. It's all squished on the carpet. Ew, right? And then put your hands in the air right now. It's a sign of freedom. Come on, right? Get free. Woo, right? Okay. Wave them like you just don't care, right? Yeah, there we go. Come on. God, I just say freedom over the hearts and minds of every one of these students tonight, God. That excuses would fall off, God, that a, an understanding and a grasp of how great you are and how good you are would flood each and every one of us tonight, God, that we would experience your power and your presence, God. And for those in this room tonight that are going like, yeah, I want a Holy Spirit thing to happen to me, whatever that looks like, whatever that means, if you don't even understand that, just go like, okay, I want it, whatever that looks like. The Spirit of the Holy God to flood over you so you're never, ever, ever, ever alone and never have to feel alone. And not only that, but you get empowered with the power of God to see great miracles happen in the life around you, in your world, with your friends and your family. And, oh, man, it takes faith connected to this move. Like, go like, God, bring it, and then believing that it's real. It's a mystery we can't fully understand, and that's what makes it so awesome because you can't sell it in a book and you can't sell it at McDonald's. You can't put a price on something that's so mysterious as, God, I trust you. Come with your Holy Spirit. So, Father, I just release your Holy Spirit over this room right now. Come. Meet with hearts in this place tonight. Change lives, God. I thank you for the way you're shifting hearts right in this moment, right now, God, and the things you're going to shift that are going to carry them into the next weeks and months, God, and we're going to see a radical outpouring, God, of what that looks like when these young people grab onto your Holy Spirit and say, let's go for a ride, let's see what this does. Full of faith, without doubt, without wondering, oh, I don't know if this is really going to work. No excuses, just yes, God, yes, God. So, Holy Spirit, come. Fill every heart tonight. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your promises that we are not alone. And the opportunity to grab onto you and know that our journey is secure, that our victory is absolute, and nothing, nothing, nothing can come at us that we can't handle with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.